When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lord Almighty, I feel my temperature rising mm-hmm. Football fever is burning through to my soul yeah. Cats, 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 you're gonna set me on fire mm-hmm. My brain is flaming, but I know just where to go Yeah The bill will be a rockin' And Bosco for the talking Purple love Purple love Bosco boy Oh, just a hunk of hunk of purple love And just a hunk of hunk of purple love And the bone hands are talking purple love. Boom, the boys are back, and we are driving through this off week because I won't say bye week and piss off Kellis Robinette even more. Uh, I, I got a guest on, I got a friend on, a guy who is definitely putting in the work. Uh, he, he's been at K State online this entire football season, and he's revived the KSO show. Uh, so hey, if you're not subscribed, you better better be subscribed. Did you? And I think it's a new RSS feed. So I, I think if you're subscribed to the old one, sorry, go find the new one. Yeah, we'll retweet it out. It is the man, the myth, the legend, the boomer trapped in the uh, millennial slash Gen Z body, Mason Voth. Mason, how are you doing, my friend? Uh, you know, we're 25 percent way through the season. It's really buzzing past us. Yeah, uh, no, I'm doing good, and yes, it is a, it is a new feed uh, because you know the the powers that be at on three they they facilitate that for us, which honestly it's a good thing because uh, like they're hooking us up and, and paying for stuff that I don't think we would individually be paying for ourselves. So God bless them. Uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, going good. Seasons is flying by. I mean, when you put it in that perspective and you say 25, percent it is wild. I, I think what's odd about football season though is it, it does seem like it goes so quickly but we're going to get to november and it's going to be like man we've been doing this for a long long time and then you think about last year's season where it doesn't end until new year's eve so it's it is just non-stop going and yeah it's a it's a fun time i mean at least they they won last weekend so it's a lot more fun to cover a win than a loss that's what i always tell people even if even if like it wasn't my alma mater, the school that I grew up cheering for since I was born, I would still feel that way. I think the only time I ever rooted for a team I was covering to lose was uh, a couple of those Wichita State teams, uh, uh, especially the American Athletic Conference Tournament when I had to go down there. I love a conference tournament, but I very clearly had COVID while I was down there, and it was not a great time, and I just wanted to get the heck out of Dallas. So uh, fortunately, I was able to to do that because they lost in like the second day, and kind of an embarrassing situation for them. So it was a win-win. You know, I got out of Dallas and Wichita State had egg on their face. 
I love it. No love lost. I think you and me kind of combined to be two of the bigger Wichita State haters uh, in, in the K-State world. So I'm looking forward to that game in Kansas City. Uh, I hope we put the beat down on them. And ticket sales for that one are going pretty good. I My, my little hobby is tracking uh, ticket sales, and that one's trending pretty well. Uh, but I got five big questions and time permitting three small questions for you uh, to keep things going during this uh, off week, uh, no game on Saturday. So the first big question I have for you, is this a good time for K-State to be having their off week? I think in a lot of other seasons and a lot of other circumstances, this is a really bad time to have a bye week. But the fact that they're three and one, they already had the loss. They're banged up in some pretty important spots. It's probably a good thing that it's coming at this time. But I think there are very few scenarios where a bye week this early is helpful um, because, you know, four four games into it and you're already having to put a pause on it. Normally you don't need that. I think after game seven, if everything was ideal, that's probably the right time. You've played most of your season. You get a little bit of a time to reset. So I, I think that this is probably uh, the right time on everything. I'm right there with you. When this first initially was released, I was like, man, not a good time to have your bye week. But, you know, as, as things have gone on, it, it, you know, with all those different injuries, I, I'm, I'm actually pretty happy. Although if you're going to Stillwater this week and getting the bye week before that Texas Tech game, it might have worked out a little better. True. Uh, big question number two for you. Basketball, the season, the practices have officially kicked off. Big question number two. This K-State basketball team is going to be better, worse, or about the same as last year's team. Hmm. I mean, it's a really good question. I at, at a very late part of the summer, I was still probably going to say this team is going to be worse, but they did fill out the roster, which I didn't expect. Now, the addition of Will McNair, it's a whatever type deal. It's it's fine. I mean, he's He's probably a better version of like Bebe last year um, in terms of what he can do for you on the court. Um, you can throw him out there when you need a bigger guy, but it doesn't do much. But I thought, you know, I thought the Quez Glover pickup was significant and important. Um, this team, obviously the depth on the the roster is better. There's not a significant drop off once you get past, you know, last year it was Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson and then Desi Sills and Naquan Tomlin and then whoo, just gone. This year, I feel like at the top, you feel pretty good with Perry and Kaluma and Tomlin. Um, and, you know, I, I, Cam Carter hopefully has gotten better. Um, the tools are there for Cam Carter to be a really good player and to be the player that Jerome Tang and the staff talk about him as. He just is clearly not there yet, and he has to put it all together, and I'm still waiting to see if that will happen. But I think the depth is there. I would probably say that this team is pretty similar to last year's in terms of how good they are. Um, just when it gets to the NCAA tournament, this team is not going to be able to go as far because you have to have stars in March. And as it's set right now, K State doesn't have those stars. Well, uh, uh, time out, real quick. I got you know I got fussy daughter over here. I got to go grab her, hold her, and and get this thing going. So I uh, just you know give me five seconds. Oh yeah, no, I'll filibuster here a little bit. And and it is an interesting dynamic because everything you said, I agree with. And and, and truthfully, I don't know what to expect with this K State team. You're losing two All-Americans. Um, I have no idea if Tomlin, Kaluma, Perry, heck, even Cam Carter, I don't know if 
any of those guys are going to get up to that all American type level um, to match that. But all of them, I think, are capable. Now, the, the fun part about last season is you had two of them. So can the bottom of the roster kind of make up for maybe not that top end? It will be interesting to see. Um, I'm also really interested in those true freshmen. I'll, I'll ask you. I'll ask you this one. Here, here's the third big question for you. We've seen a couple true freshmen on the football side flash, have some good moments. But who of the three true freshmen on the men's basketball team? are going to end up having mm. the biggest positive impact on this season. Uh it's it's tough because I'm tr- you know you think back to what we saw in the Middle East and how it worked out um I, I maybe would have said at first that like maybe RJ Jones has the chance to do that um but because of the the way that things might get structured I guess I would maybe go day day aims. I that's just the one that I think that he might be able to to provide a little bit more, but I think they're all on pretty similar footing. I, I think it's pretty clear that the two four-star guys in Day-Day and RJ are going to be guys that can compete for true rotation stuff. Um, I was skeptical on Michaela Rich being able to do it, but, I mean, he actually played better than I anticipated in the Middle East. And, again, you know, the competition level is what it is over there, but – it's something that he might be able to crack into that and it'll be an open opportunity for, I think any of those guys, but I guess at this point, if I had to pick one, I would say day day, but that's just more of a gut thing. That's like no knowledge at this point in time. And really, I think we're just going to have to see what they all look like at the start of the season. And ultimately if any of them end up redshirting, I mean, that's something that Jerome Tang and this staff, they did last year, obviously Jarrell Colbert uh, redshirted Taj Manning redshirted. And I'm a little surprised that Dorian Finister didn't redshirt, but, you know, whatever on that situation. And they did this a lot at Baylor, too, under Scott Drew and Jerome Tang. They would have guys redshirt, and then, you know, that seems like they've been there forever. Well, it's because they have been, and they have all this experience, and it worked out for them. And it's tough to do that in college basketball these days, but obviously this is a staff that seems like if you are going to get somebody to redshirt, you're probably going to get, you know, the, the team to buy in to do it. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see, but just gut instinct for whatever reason, I, I lean towards day, day aims. All right. We'll flip back to football for the fourth big question. We are three and one. The cats are three and one, one and oh in big 12 play. Are you coming off your prediction of K state making it to Arlington or are you going to be sticking with that? I'm sticking with it right now. Uh, DY drew and I just recorded something today uh that it'll be out on thursday so whenever you hear this it's either already out or it will be coming out but um we we just kind of went over our big 12 power rankings for for this week you know the bye week needs some more content on there so let's just discuss our our power rankings and at the end of it i I asked him and drew i said all right right now as it stands who would you take and they both said texas and oklahoma um i would still say k-state i mean after texas there are the teams in that tier that all have flaws. They they all have issues. And K-State's the team that has done it. They're also the team that at the end of the day, once they put things together, which I still think that they will for the most part, they have the team that I think is more capable and built to do it. So I do think that K-State probably gets to Arlington still, but it's a legit toss-up. It will be interesting because, you know, without the round robin, 
what's going to happen, you know, tiebreaker wise, you know, what if K-State and Oklahoma both drop that Texas game, both sitting, you know, at what would be 10, or I guess they would be 11-1, we'd be 10-2, and but uh, eight and one in conference play. It is going to be interesting. Um, so, oh man, that would suck. That would really suck going eight and one, missing out, having to lose out on a tiebreaker. It will be interesting. Seemingly enough, weirdly enough, it puts K-State fans in a position where they have to be cheering for KU maybe twice this season. I don't, I, I, I know I can easily do it. I can cheer for KU when it benefits K-State. I know a lot of K-Staters don't like doing that, but I'll be rock chalking it up as they're playing Texas and Oklahoma this season. Uh, Mason, this is not a big question. Uh, <laughs> I, I could, this could be the first small question. You want to, uh, you real quick, you said rock chalk it up. You want a Brian Haney impression? Oh uh, yeah. Give me your best Brian Haney. Hang on. I gotta, I gotta get into the <laughs> mood here. Uh, Grant, Grant KSU's favorite broadcaster, Brian Haney. Oh yeah. He's, he's a, he's a real treat to listen to. And I say that everything, put this on John Kurtz. Every, he always like anytime that I'm critical of the KU radio broadcast, he's like, Brian Haney, he's such a good dude, man. Like I'm, I'm sure like, he's a good dude. I don't care if he's a good dude. I have a miserable time listening to him and David Lawrence call a football game. Uh, okay, all right. Rock chalk it up. Devin the real deal, Neil. It's another six points for the Hawks. And then, you know, defensively, he's going to go, it's a TFL, TFL. They love to say TFL. Just say tackle for loss, Brian, once. <laughs> once in your life, say tackle for loss. You don't have to say TFL. My daughter hates the use TFL. She's just crying left and right now. Oh man, that 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 is a very good Brian Haney uh, uh, impression uh, in the the kind of mannerisms that you have going on as well. That is great. I, I did listen to it when I was driving up to sponsor of this show, Manhattan Brewing Company. I I did listen to some uh, Brian Haney as I was driving into town. But before we get to the final big question, I want to give a shout out to my friends at Manhattan Brewing Company. Your daughter may not like, well, she might like it, but it'd be illegal for her to have it. But I guarantee they would have your new favorite beer on tap, Mason. They have amazing stuff from Championship Run. That's right. That's the purple Hefeweizen to the best pumpkin beer in the world, Pumpkin Batch, and the tailgate beer of the season, Towny Wheat. Anything you could want, they have over there at Manhattan Brewing Company. They also have cocktails on tap. They have signature cocktails. They usually have some food trucks coming through. There was a fundraiser selling walking tacos the last time I was in there all during this off week. And heck, K-State's on the road the next two weeks. You're not going to be in Manhattan for a game until the end of October. But I tell you what, make a little field trip, call in sick on a Friday, go enjoy some pints at Manhattan Brewing Company, take a couple home, take a couple crowlers home, take a couple four packs home because Manhattan Brewing Company is the spot to be. And look, they they told me I'm not allowed to say what some of the upcoming releases are. I have to keep it under wraps for a little bit. But, folks, there is going to be some big-time beers coming to the taps at Manhattan Brewing Company in the month of October and November. Stay tuned. I can't wait to tell you guys about it. Um, Mason, this is this is not qualify for any of them. But once okay. your daughter becomes of age, you know, 21, what is her favorite beer going to be, do you think? Mm. Uh Man, I don't know. Uh, it's it's going to be a real toss up here because uh, she has a a mom that is 
She's not a prude, but she just does not like the taste of alcohol. So, uh, okay, she, it's going to be a real toss up here on if she's even uh, interested in that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. She needs something right now to keep her calm. Uh, I think she might be trying to poop though. So, Uh-oh. well, you, the- you, you are you are a multitasker. We got the fine. We got the final question for you, uh, and it's a two parter. Who has been your short sample, small sample MVP so far for this team? And then the final one is if K-State is going to make it to Arlington, who needs to make a jump in the final eight games? Boy, um, I mean, honestly, it's probably indicative of how the team has played that I don't know that anybody is a runaway candidate to be an MVP on this team right now. I guess I would probably say Austin Moore because he's been the most consistent and he, I mean, he just does what he does. It's see the ball, be where the ball is. Like he is, he is always finding himself in the mix. I, again, I laughed last year when they said that they call him the machine and then he proved that he was the machine. Like every time he made a play, I was like, well, good God, there's Austin Moore again. They are, they are right. And he, he is the real deal. Um, not the real deal. Devin, Devin Neal. He is just the real deal. Um, so I probably would go him, but obviously, like, you can make an impact at linebacker. We've seen it, but it's tough to make a major impact. You need it to be one of the edge guys. And Khalid Duke has been good this year, um, but, you know, they're, I've kind of harped on it. The defensive ends need to get more pressure early in games. Um, until Saturday, they, did, had, they didn't have a sack in the first quarter except for the game against SEMO. And I think a lot of times that led to, you know, why Troy and Missouri were in the game so early. They were comfortable back there. And with a young secondary, you need the guys up front to get the pressure to force the quarterback to make some really bad moves, throw some bad balls, and make it easier on them. And they didn't do that. They did a better job of against UCF, and the secondary did a bad job of being there. I mean, Jacob Parrish had the one pick, but there were some other balls that Timmy McLean just floated up there on his back foot, and nothing came about. Um, outside of that, like offensively, I'd be hard pressed to pick a guy as an MVP there right now. The offense, even though they've been successful and that's a credit to Colin Klein, um, the offense still hasn't looked great. And each guy that you could possibly pick as a candidate has flaws. Um, obviously DJ Giddens just had the, the massive game, but like there were some games where he was quiet. And some of that has to do with the fact that the offensive line struggled in the year. Um, Will Howard obviously has been a tick off in some categories this year. I do not think he's been as bad as some others want to point to. Um, it, it's just one of those deals where, you know, I've kind of made a point of this. You look at it and the throws that he missed against UCF, they, I mean, they were just that close. I, his worst ball today was the one to Garrett Oakley that, that was just off of Oakley's fingertips. He should have hit that one. There was enough separation there. That should have been an easy completion. That was a legit miss. But some of the ones like to Jaden Jackson in the end zone and some of the others down the sideline, he's throwing to guys that aren't the biggest dudes. Like K-State has the shortest receivers in the Big 12. They Their average receiver is under six foot. And there's only one other team that is like that in the league, and that's TCU. Um, K-State's one of only four teams that have a contributing receiver that is 5'8 or 5'9 or smaller. That's Phillip Brooks at 5'8. Um, he and Brennan Presley at O State are the two shortest receivers that are on the top four and receiving on their team in the league. So you look around, when Will Howard is throwing these balls, his margin for error is very, very small. Like he has to be very precise with how he throws it. Whereas Jalen Daniels at KU throws a lot of the similar balls that Will Howard does. Like the decision making for those two guys is kind of like, 
ah, screw it. Somebody's down there. I'm going to toss this to him. I believe in my guys. The difference is Jalen Daniels is throwing to the second tallest receiving room in the Big 12. I think their average receivers are like somewhere around 6'2", 6'3". Um, that's significant. Houston's the only receiving core in the league that's taller. Um, and KU has the tallest receiver in the league. I think 6'5", is, is I'd have to go back and look because I did a bunch of this research yesterday to see uh, who exactly it was. Um, but they're big there. And I think that's significant in all of this. Uh, yeah, Quentin Skinner, he is uh, he's seventy seven inches. So there you go. He's six foot five. That's the tallest receiver in the league. Um, that's significant in all of this uh, for for how things play out. K State's average height is five eleven. KU's is six two. Um, so I think that that contributes to some of it. And then I would say Ben Sennett, he's been pretty good, but some of the drops are a little concerning and frightening on Ben Sennett, like. You can make the argument that some of the drops at Missouri were costly in winning that game. Uh, he had another drop in the middle of the the UCF series. He had one good catch, a, dr- a bad drop. I was like, oh, there you go. But then he made another one on that ball that it looked like it just floated in the air for 10 seconds getting there, but it eventually did. So I would probably still go Will Howard offensively for, for an MVP there, but he needs to get better. Um, but really, it's it's the guys that are essentially the same position, just different sides of the ball offensively the receivers have to get better and defensively the secondary has to get better um and really more than anything it's on the secondary because Colin Klein just put up 44 points and he is still scoring with these guys even if they don't have the major downfield threat and that may not develop this year like we want it to they are still finding ways to move the ball and score obviously DJ Giddens and Treshawn Ward are talented running backs so the secondary needs to get get things into gear here all right, we got two more small questions for you before we get to the or to you. I don't wear a small, but if you do, you can get it at Charlie Hustle sizes from extra small all the way up to 3X on all sorts of their crew neck sweatshirts, their hoodies, their t-shirts, joggers, you name it, they have it. The best looking, most comfortable, officially licensed K-State gear on the market. Folks, I know it's, you know, you probably didn't win. Only one person won the September giveaway, but guess what? We'll have another one in October, so keep your eyes peeled. They always are restocking stuff, so hey, if your favorite shirt, you know that helmet shirt that I love so much? Guys, we sold it out. We, we K-State fans are buying it up, but guess what? If you missed out, they'll restock it. They restock the K-State beef, so if you want the K-State beef shirt, there you go. And also, Chauncey, don't tell him. He just walked out of the room. He's getting a brand new purple and lavender collar from Charlie Hustle with that iconic KC heart. That's right. They got stuff even for the doggos. So check out Charlie Hustle, Vintage Made Fresh, charliehustle.com today. All right, Mason, I got two more small questions for you. Uh, and, and I don't really know what makes these small. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't formulate this concept out really well, but the, uh, I already asked you one small one, small question. Number two, outside of Oklahoma and Texas, who has a realistic shot to get to Arlington? You still have K-State in there. So there's three. Is there anyone else with realistic shots? Um, it's, it's, it's a small list right now. That's for sure. Um, but and I don't, you know, I don't want people to kill me for this. And again, I still don't believe that like they're as real as some people want them to be. But if you look at KU's schedule, it is fairly manageable, at least from the standpoint of once they they play this game at Texas this weekend, 
their toughest games remaining are going to be Oklahoma at home and K-State at home. And so they could possibly put themselves in a position where they do it. Um, they also have Texas Tech at home. We'll see what Texas Tech actually is. But I, KU could realistically do it because the schedule gives them the opportunity. I still think that they are not good enough to do it because uh, I think that they do probably lose to K-State one more along the way. Uh, and then maybe they beat Oklahoma. Uh, and then I guess after that, you're really only thinking that TCU is the other team that could possibly have a chance. TCU's problem is their schedule is probably the toughest in the league based off what they have left. They have to play at K-State. They have to play at Oklahoma. They get Texas at home. They're in Lubbock. Uh, TCU probably can't do it from a scheduling standpoint. So I would say that the only four teams that I'll give a chance to right now, Texas, OU, K-State, KU. I have the same list. I did throw UCF in there. I didn't do a deep dive on their schedule, but I I was impressed enough with them. I think they have a coach. I think they have some athletes. I think that they could still make some noise and maybe crash that party. But for the most part, I'm right there with you. I didn't think the list would look so small uh, just one week into Big 12 play, but man, uh, a lot of disappointment in the non-con. Uh, the final... Oh, Unless unless you had something else there. Sorry. I know you're no, multitasking. No, you're good. You're good. No, I, we're, we're, we're all good over here. I'm just, I'm trying to make sure that this isn't the worst experience for you or your listeners well, with, uh, with Elliot going to town over here on the tiers. Well, first off, I'm, I'm going to say I, I've been widely impressed on your dad and podcasting at the same time ability. I don't know if there's any awards for that, but if there are, uh, I need to nominate you for it because this has been wildly impressive. So kudos to you. Uh, this final small question I have, this goes to the Big 12 schedule that was just released. So I'm going to ask you this. Uh, what is Mason's favorite time slot day and time for Big 12 basketball? Uh, great question. Uh, Nine o'clock in Provo, Utah. That's the, no, uh, that is going to, is that a weekday or is that on a Saturday? That's a Saturday. Okay, so actually thank God, K-State, because K-State there was... really lucks out with that, how that worked out in the schedule. They'll play Monday at home against KU. They get that full week. Then they go to Provo. And then that's their week where they, they don't play a midweek game after. Oh, so they'll oh, go a full oh. week between Provo. And then I can't remember who it is after that. Um, might be like Oklahoma state or something, but it, they do benefit from that in some regard, but, uh, Big 12 basketball. Hey, Elliot, we're about done here, girl. Keep, keep on rolling. Uh, it's tough. I mean, I hate midweek games, by the way. Those are just the worst, uh, mainly for somebody that lives in Wichita and is two hours away. Um, but I would go ahead and I would say, I like, I like the 11 a.m. tips on Saturdays. I think, you know, you get your game out of the way. You, you don't have all the anticipation and then you're, you're good. You're set. Uh, Cause it's fun to walk out of Bramlage when it's still light out. You feel like you have everything at your disposal. You, like if you want to hang around Manhattan, you're not rushing to get out of town. And if you want to go watch other games, you can do that. It's where it's like the middle of the day and everybody's traveling and then all this other stuff. So I, I would go 11 and then the next pick would be like a night game. Cause those feel bigger. There's the, the all day anticipation, but 11 a.m., everybody's fired up and ready to get there. You waste no time with your day. All right. And then the hypothetical question, I didn't tell you about this one, but I kind of was inspired by you being a great dad while still podcasting. If you had to have one 
former for, former or active K-State coach or athlete babysit Elliot for an afternoon. We'll say two and a half, three hours. Former or current player or coach, who are you trusting your flesh and blood oh. with for this, three hours? This is an easy answer. It's Bruce Weber. I mean – I know I have answer. no doubt that Bruce is like the best grandpa ever. I, I have no doubt about it. Um, and even though I still hold a lot of ill will towards Bruce, how he ended things at K-State, because I think it was the wrong way to do it. And as somebody that had just completely said, hey, it's a good 10 years, whatever. And then he decided to do that. It it pissed me off the way he talked about my alma mater. That that should not sit right with people in Manhattan and around K-State. Um, based off how my daughter is acting right now, though, uh, I would say Ron Prince could come watch her and uh, and see if he can whip her into shape right now. So, well, th- that's the perfect way to end it, Mason. Thank you for multitasking on short notice. Uh, that's all we have, folks, uh, for that the inaugural version of five big questions, three small questions, and a hypothetical. Hey, sorry to the boneheads for this. Sorry hey. about the the ending to this, guys. Almost <laughs> none of it got picked up. You are absolutely fine. So shout out to you. Shout out to your daughter. Shout out to Chauncey, the best dog in the world. We love you guys, and go Cats. Hail to the to the white wild cat in spirit wild cat in fight hail alma mater from sea to sea onward forever hail victory UK State Wildcats form alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight.
Podcast Network.